Hello, and welcome to the Should I Go See It podcast, where every other Friday we take a deeper dive into the one-sentence reviews on shouldigoseeit.com. This week we'll be discussing everything, everywhere, all at once, Morbius, and Ambulance. I'm your host, Bill George. With me as always, AJ Rebecca and super producer Craig Stanton. How are ya, boys? What's going on, Bill? Hey, AJ. How are you? Those movie titles looked awful. <laughs> there are some odd titles. Uh, I I concur. From the oddly specific to the very generic. Yeah, I mean, I've seen the trailers for Morbius and Daniels. I have no idea what everything, everywhere, all at once is. So I'm excited to talk about what I anticipate being real Shit movies. Uh, how you been? What's new? <laughs> I've been good. I've been good. I have been watching a lot. I've been catching up on a lot of movies I missed. I'm so happy for you. Full agenda. Lots of lot to cover. Let me uh, let me give you. I don't want to go super in depth on long reviews for some of these, but I did catch a bunch of things on streaming services. I figured I'd give you some quick hits on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I finally got around to seeing Antlers, which is now on HBO Max. It was a elevated horror A24 ripoff type of movie from a year or two ago and I gave it a no. It's not great. So if you see that when you're clicking through, it's uh, a little long, a little slow and a little too depressing for my taste. So the I saw the little um, key art come up the other day. I was thinking about it, but thanks for yeah telling me not skip. to. Okay, what else? Yep. Another two to skip. Chris Pine had not one, but two movies come out on streaming this month alone, both in which he plays a spy. Hmm. I think because the the Jack Ryan series that he was hoping to launch never really panned out, and now he's just taking all these spy roles. Uh, The Contractor and All the Old Knives. Uh, The Contractor I watched on iTunes, All the Old Knives is on Amazon. And both of those were also no's. Just not great. Just kind of blah. Bill has such little respect for these films that they're sharing a bullet point in our show notes. They don't even get their own exactly. individual <laughs> bullet points. So Chris Chris Pine is now on like a straight to DVD type type of man. Hopefully not. I love Chris Pine. I think he's fantastic. I think he's the best Chris uh, in Hollywood. Oh, uh, <laughs> that feels like bait. This feels like bait. Don't take it, AJ. Don't take no, it. No, I the classic it. No, discussion. I want to. I want to no. take the it. The discussion is always yes. which Chris you prefer. Yeah, Hemsworth, Pratt, or Pine. Yeah, I take Pine. Uh, Kill fuck Mary. <laughs> I'm probably banging Hemsworth. Sure, Mary Pine, kill Pratt. Yeah, probably. Gotta be. Pratt was in some weird religious. Like he's in this weird. Yeah, Craig's agreeing with me. He's in this weird thing. I don't know what it is, but if it wasn't that, and he was still like the fat guy from Parks and Rec, I'll fucking ring that shit all day long. Anyway, the point is, I still love Chris Pine, and Star Trek Four has been announced, uh, so we'll get to see him back as Kirk, which is very exciting. So, uh, so yeah, hopefully this was just a a blip on the radar here. Live long and prosper, Chris. Anything else? Uh, yep, two more quick ones. I watched two more? Deep Water. Did you two leave more. your house? Watched- Did you just shit in the corner and piss in bottles for a week? <laughs> Look, it's been a while since we've recorded. We did that early recording for the Oscars. Same length as every other uh, episode, but... Okay. Anyway, uh, Deep Water with Ben Affleck and Ana de Armas, uh, your girl. How uh, was it? I really liked it. You don't say. I have gotten a lot of flack. <laughs> I've gotten a lot of flack from my review on this one because uh, I've had a few people reach out and say they did not enjoy it. 
but I loved it. I mean, it's you got to go into it knowing that it is a soap opera. It is a pulpy, over-the-top melodrama yeah, uh, and sometimes dark comedy. But you get to see Ben Affleck as my favorite version of Ben Affleck, which is him just being just an a asshole. smug prick. Smug piece of shit, which is my favorite oh. of the and Affleck version. How is the, the show's favorite ADA? Oh, she's outstanding. I oh, mean, yeah. she's... She's remarkable. Treasure. She gets to play a kind of a, a multi-layered character. She gets to do more, I think, than a lot of movies. She's, she's you know, the eye candy. Uh, so in this role, she gets to actually do a lot more from a performance standpoint. And uh, she was great. I liked it a lot. I know some people don't dig it, but I, I really like Deepwater. Uh, finally, I watched Fresh on Hulu with Sebastian Stan. Uh, I loved this movie. This is a must watch. Really? For sure. I don't even know what the premise is. Fresh. I don't want to say I don't want to say too much because it's really watching it unfold is the magic of it. But it is uh it is dark, but it's also a dark comedy in ways uh that says a lot about relationships. I mean every monster is a metaphor. Uh and this one talks a lot about sort of the modern state of dating and relationships. And Love it. it's but it has a just a dark twist. That's I don't want again. I don't want to give it away. But it's really really good. I loved Fresh. Like this is gonna make my top list of the year for sure. Where is this movie found? This is on Hulu. So is Deepwater. Actually, both of those were Hulu. So those are what I've seen since we last recorded. Uh, what's in the news though, AJ? You are usually sniffing out the news for us. Hollywood's Film Academy on Friday said its Board of Governors banned Will Smith from any of its events, including the Oscars, for 10 years after the Best Actor winner slapped presenter Chris Rock on stage at the Academy Awards ceremony. Bill, are we looking at justice served? I guess. It's tough because there's, like, what else are they going to do? I mean, it's it, if Chris Rock's not going to file charges, which he's not, obviously, so there's no more legal means... And if they can't kick him out of the academy because he already resigned and kind of stole their thunder on that, there's really not a lot for this particular body to do. So the 10 years, a little arbitrary. But obviously, you can't have him at the Oscars. Normally, he would come back next year to present Best Actress. That's the usual cadence they, they have. So you can't do that. So they pick 10 years. Um, he, keep in mind, he can still win uh, and be voted upon. But someone, a surrogate, would have to pick up the award for him. And the idea that the Academy, anyone in the Academy, would vote for him is, I would say, out the window. I'm almost disappointed in Hollywood as much as I am Will Smith. Go on. And I'll tell you why. The standing ovation, the the condolences he got during the breaks on TV, the ad breaks, didn't sit well with me. And then... There was a video that came up on Instagram uh, when Roman Polanski won Best Director for The Pianist, right? Mm -hmm. He had a standing ovation as well. Yeah. Do you remember what happened during that ceremony, Bill? I do not. He wasn't there to pick up the award. You know why? Oh, wasn't he in custody or he was hiding in a non-extradition country? <laughs> he fled to France because he raped a minor. <laughs> right. And he still got a standing ovation. Yeah. So I have this like weird, sickening feeling about like Hollywood right now and those people in the room is that like they are so removed from life, real life that like it's it's it, it kind of affected me that I, I just don't I I don't know how to 
feel about it, and I feel disgusted about it. Well, that's, I mean, that is an option for them. You know, we talked about the being the the academy doesn't have a lot of options; they're kind of toothless at this point. But the option that they could have gone down is, do you rescind the award? Which opens which opens Pandora's box of, does that mean we need to pull back Woody Allen's or Roland Polanski's or any of these other sure. folks that have yep. had, uh, you know, moral, morally questionable decision-making in their past, to put it lightly. Does that mean that they are not eligible for Academy Awards and they should be given, you know, yanked away? So I don't think they wanted to open that Pandora's box and they decided to give it 10 years and move on. And I know you're, you always preach like separate art from artists, but I think there's like thresholds on that. Like hitting a guy on live TV. Eh, mm, well, right? it is tricky. Raping in Raping someone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I do say separate art from artists and I would still say if anything, one best picture, there's so much that goes into that. I mean, it's not just one person makes a movie. A, a ton of people make a movie. And I would never take away a best picture. If it was the best picture, it's the best picture. These awards being specific for a person, maybe there's more argument to be made there where you could say something to that effect. I don't know. I think it is I think it is a slippery slope for sure. And I just don't think they want to go down it. But you didn't, you didn't directly answer it. You didn't answer the question directly. Do you think the punishment fits the crime? Um, based on all the information I have right now, the fact that he resigned, the fact that he won't be there for 10 years, the fact that certain projects are already, like production companies are backing away from him, and the fact that Chris Rock himself, the victim, doesn't want any further action required, I think this is, I'm fine with this. Well, then there you have it. What else in the news? Anything else? So... Today, uh, as we are recording today, we are officially uh, the the week after the Masters, which is um, touted by some as the greatest sports event uh, on earth um, every year. A tradition, like any other, any other right? Is, as, as Jim Nance would say, uh, dear friends, uh, we're at <laughs> yeah. Augusta. Um, so on the on the whole golf thing, um, Netflix Get in the hole. has come right. out with a statement. Um, that they have linked up with PGA Tour and golf's major championships for an immersive documentary series following the lives and stories of top professional golfers across a season of high-stakes competition, which they were recording now, the 2022 season, to come out in 2023. Um, It is from Vox Media Studios and the producers of Formula One Drive to Survive, which got huge critical acclaim on Netflix for not only just how they presented how Formula One works, but one of the most beautifully shot things that Netflix has put out to date. My question is, Bill, is this uh, a smart way to get people who are not usually interested in a sport or topic infused in it and dedicated to it and want to know more about it? I think this is a great method for that, but I still think it's going to be contingent on the sport and or context. Uh, like for me, would I watch this show? No. Like I appreciate things that are shot beautifully. I've seen one episode of the the Drive Show, which I'll get to in a second. But I don't know that it would draw me into golf. The only the only association I have with golf, the only time that I really actually watched golf, was growing up seeing Tiger wearing red on Sunday. Like Tiger Woods was appointment viewing. Like I actually started to follow the sport at the time. Because of him, but he okay. and he he's a once in a generation 
type of type of influence in that way. And now that he's kind of still playing, and like I was keeping up with the headlines because he was playing again. Otherwise, I'm not really interested in golf, and I wouldn't personally watch a show about it. Interesting. But could it win over other people? Probably. Um, I just don't know that there's enough oomph there. Like the Drive to Survive show, I've seen one episode. Uh, a friend of mine who had no interest in Formula One started watching it, and now she is not only like watches the show. Now she's at the point where she's just watching the actual Formula One races and like barely cares about the show. She's like that into the sport, which is crazy, uh, which is great. I mean, that's really cool for someone to discover a new a new hobby they like or a new sport they like. But for me, seeing a high speed car wreck or car chase is definitely different than someone making birdie. Like, I just don't know that there's still going to be. Yeah, I, I think. I think it's a little different, though, and the, I'll push back for with a master's example. So, you know, there's eight or nine different criteria that allow you to get invited to Augusta National to compete in the masters. Right. And one of them is the week prior to the event, uh, you have to be ranked in the top 50 golfers in the in the world golf rankings. So people will play in the Valero Open in Texas just to hopefully gain enough points and enough credit to be able to basically flip their life around, get a private jet, and hopefully a place to stay to be in Augusta on Monday morning to start practice rounds with their caddies. Mm-hmm. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, you could you could turn that into high drama for sure, for sure. That's what I'm saying. Making the cut, it's sort of like the kind of like almost like a hard exactly. Thing. And then like you know, like if you have a shitty round Thursday, like what are you going to do on Friday to turn around to be able to come back on Saturday to hopefully compete for Sunday? It's drama, baby. It's drama. Don't you fear AJ as as the golf pro here? Uh, expert, golf guy, resident golf, golf expert. I have already heard a lot of pushback from like articles recently about the people in the Formula One show not liking how they're depicted, how it's cut. Some people saying, "I don't even want to be part of the show anymore because of the mm. way that it tells the narrative and crafts the narrative." Aren't you nervous a little bit about? Yeah you knowing the behind the scenes and then seeing the show and be like, wait, that's not how it played out. Or for people, you know, people that you follow and care about to have them depicted certain ways. I don't know. How do you feel about it? Yeah. I mean, the thing, the thing with, I mean, there's going to be parallels, right? Because formula one at the end of the day, like it is a, it's a singular sport, right? Like the only person you're playing against on the golf course is like yourself and like your head. Right. So there's going to be times where like, hopefully you'll see some, self-knowledge and people talking about like really bad rounds and how they want to do better. There's probably going to be other times. And I can think of four or five golfers on this list that have pretty big egos that are probably going to make complete asses of themselves on the biggest streaming platform the world has ever seen. And I'm fucking here for it again, Bill, we're looking at drama and like, if you could turn drama golf, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, we're all, we're already talking about, you know, beautiful locations and scenery. And like I said, their setups with the cut and making sure that you get invited to next week's event. Like if you can add egos and just yeah, yeah, yeah. fucking just ratchet it up. Yeah. Like just, <laughs> just make it a soap opera. Yeah. Like, let me like get invested in these people. And I want to see the good guys win and the shitty people fail miserably. So I'm all in on it and I'm excited for next year. And um, sure. congrats to Scotty Scheffler for his green jacket and his, uh, you know, his invitation back to Augusta every single year. I will say the one episode I did watch of Drive to Survive was one of the most beautiful pieces of filmmaking I've ever seen. Like I was in shock at how gorgeous that that quality is. Okay, uh, should I go reviews? See it? Should I go see it? We probably get a. F- I've seen nothing. 
Like I'm a piece of shit this week. I've seen literally nothing. So it's all you. Um, we got three movies. Uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. Morbius. And ambulance. And ambulance. Where do you want to start? You want to start going order. Yep. Let's get into it. According to IMDb.com, an aging Chinese immigrant is swept up in an insane adventure where she alone can save the world by exploring other universes, connecting with the lives she could have led. Bill, should I go see it? Yes. 100% yes. 100% yes. This might end up being my top of the year. Like, we'll see. It's early. It's fucking April. I'm telling you, this is in the early running for number one. We haven't it even put down seed so and good. meat preventer on the lawn, and you're already <laughs> calling for fucking picture of the year? Maybe. It was that good. The movie, let me let me lay it down. I don't want to say too much because, again, the surprise is the beauty of it. But the incomparable Michelle Yeoh stars in the movie. Uh, if you don't recognize her by name, you would have seen her in. I mean, she got her career started with Jackie Chan movies way back in the 90s. She made her big U.S. debut in Crouching Tiger, Crouching Hidden Tiger, Dragon. Dragon, Tomorrow Never Dies, yeah. Crazy Rich Asians, yep. Kung Fu Panda. I mean, yep. yeah, yeah, she's she's fantastic. But this is her first time that I've seen her where she is like the legitimate protagonist. She is the star. She's in every frame of this movie. And she is sort of a down on her luck woman she's she owns a laundromat that's not going great her husband is like thinking about filing divorce that's not going great and then everything changes when she's like clued into this crack in the multiverse and she starts to access other versions of how her life could have been and it gets wild just like out of control uh i've never seen anything like it it's one of the most imaginative movies i've ever seen and it uses that multiverse concept to its fullest uh and that is i will say that could be one of the downsides or stumbling blocks it has a bit of a high barrier for entry for some folks i think when they see the weirdness in this movie and how bizarre some sequences are it might turn some people off okay Uh, but if you can kind of bear with it and get through that the finale when it gets to the like emotional punch of the movie and the profound things it has to say about raising kids, marriage, mental health, taking care of oneself. Like there are profound messages in this movie that it, this is the type of movie that literally could change someone's life. Okay. So if you see this movie. And I was sobbing. And I know it sounds weird because it's a multiverse movie, but like it uses that high concept and crazy world that it creates to tell a very simple story about life. And it's it's just it's a tour de force. It's I, I I don't know what to say. It's it's absolutely phenomenal. Two follow up questions for you, please. First, is this an A twenty four film? Uh, yes, it is. Okay, well, all right. So for those who don't know, or A twenty four is like the most. How would you say it? The most. I mean, they're the hottest um, production slash distributor. Hottest production company. They basically took indie films and made them mainstream. A lot of the elevated, a lot of the elevated horror that is is taking place lately, Midsummer, Hereditary, like a lot of that came out of A twenty four. It's not all necessarily produced by A twenty four; they're a distributor as well, so they just are very good at picking things to distribute that stick within the brand that they've yeah. created for themselves. So I this mean, movie is is part of that. Green Knight, Lighthouse, 
uncut gems, ex machina, mid nineties. I mean, I think they've done yeah, tons of wild shit. Yeah. All right. So that was my first question. Second question. I think I've seen this movie, a movie about life and potential, a movie that made me cry. Do you know what that movie was? Movie was Click. Oh, what? Starring Adam Sandler. <laughs> what? Uh, You've never seen Click before? I have not. Uh, bro, you. Also, I thought you were going to say La La Land, first of all. No, you basically fucking just read. You just told me Click. No, that's not what this is. Ah, uh, but you've never seen Click. I've seen the trailer. I know enough. And there's never been anything like this, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. You're wrong, but okay. I, I I could tell you what makes this so like crazy and some of the weirdness that I'm telling you is not like anything else, but I don't want to ruin the the this the specialty of it. When you see it and you're like, what is happening? Like I don't want you to know that stuff going in. So just trust me when I tell you that this movie is weird as hell. And that makes it a little tricky to recommend because I already know like I want to recommend it to like my sister, for instance, like I feel like the emotional impact of the film would resonate with her. But I'm terrified because I know when she sees the weird shit in the first act, she's going to text me and say, what the fuck have you got me into? But I'm telling you, if you stick through that, the the finale is absolutely just sublime. Sister, if this really if you really turns you off, there's a movie with Adam Sandler. And there's a cameo by Christopher Walken. It's called Click. And there's a magic remote. Fine. And it changes everything. Can I ask a serious question about this multiverse thing? Uh, now that we live in a like post-Marvel uh, time, do, they, do movies like this that, to be clear, have nothing to do with Marvel, but like they use this concept of like multiple timelines and stuff, do they even like bother to explain it? Or do they just like assume that you as a viewer understand the concept of multiverses? Or a better qu- way to put that is, does this movie exist if not for Marvel? Yeah, no, it would exist without that. It does not. This is not a hard sci-fi movie. This is much more about... But would they have to... But if In a world... Sorry to cut you off, but in a world without Marvel, would they have to spend a shitload of their time explaining the concept? No, because they barely explain it. Or because we all watch Click and we kind of know how it works. There is a character in the movie that explains it to Michelle Yeoh. She's our audience surrogate. She's our protagonist, so she has no idea. He does a quick explanation of it, and you get the, uh, the gist of it, and then they just off to the races from there. It's not a hard sci-fi. They don't get into the... And there's no, they don't set up rules and follow them. Like it is all over the map. And because part of it, when you're watching it, is you don't know whether this multiverse thing is actually happening or if it's completely in her head. So, like, it's completely like bonkers. So, they don't get into the, into any sort of actual multiverse discussion like they would in a Marvel movie where they sit around for 10 minutes and discuss the ramifications of it. This is a movie is just go, 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 go. And you did take mushrooms before you saw it. It felt like I had, but it's, it is an absolute yes. Uh, it's it's a must watch. It's a must watch. Uh, second movie we wanted to talk about today is Morbius. According to IMDb.com, biochemist Michael Morbius tries to cure himself of a rare blood disease, but he inadvertently infects himself with a form of vampirism instead. Bill, is this the worst <laughs> Marvel movie ever made? Uh, it's not a Marvel movie per se. It's a Sony movie in association with Marvel, I guess. Uh, it gets a no, first of all. And honestly, I wish it was worse. 
Because then, like, if it was like a messy train wreck, at least there might be like some entertainment value there. Instead, it is just a competently made but incredibly boring and blah movie. Like, it's not a complete disaster. It's just rote and boring, and it's an origin movie that you've seen a million times. It feels like it's straight out of 2002. Like, it's it's every superhero origin movie ever hits all the usual beats and tropes that, like, it. audience expectations of what a superhero movie can be has evolved, and this movie does not rise to that occasion. It simply gives us the usual origin story of every origin story of all time. It's basically like Blade, except bad. Okay. Because he's like the daywalker. Like he has like all their strengths and other weaknesses. He's basically a vampire. But so it gives you this, that same type of story. And it's just a lot of lazy storytelling. Good actors, once again, being wasted like Jared Harris. Uh, I thought you were going to say Jared Leto. I know. That was such a curveball. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, Jared Harris is in this film. I fucking I'm I'm I'm. I'm really sick of his fucking thing. Leto? I know. We talked about this like two episodes ago. You called him 30. You called him 30 seconds to fuck. <laughs> I did. <laughs> Sounds just like something. Dude, he didn't know COVID was a thing because he was on a fucking retreat that had no technology. Look, he had no idea the world shut down. Leto. He's also he's also 50. Is he a vampire? Uh, yeah, this is from the Paul Rudd school of aging for sure. Uh, he's not that bad in this. I'm gonna I'm gonna be straight with you. He's not actually that terrible. Okay. It's just the laziest writing you've ever seen. It's every movie ever. It's it was just really bad, but not disastrous. Just bad. Okay. And the post credit scenes don't even get me started as far as like the laziest integration of this character into the Marvel verse. So ever. that's what I was going to ask you is that we know that Sony films had the rights to Spider-Man and then Disney acquired Marvel and then did things to buy back those rights. But Sony still had a, a roadmap that included several other films that had Marvel entities. Right. Venom being one of them. Yep. They're trying to tie everything together. Did they do it? Do I even care? Like, <laughs> no, you shouldn't care. Even care. You shouldn't care. Okay. So they, it's been long stated that Sony wants to make a Sinister Six movie. Sinister Six being uh, the collaboration of, Avengers. of multiple Spider-Man villains. They yeah. already made Venom. They made uh, this. And then meanwhile, they have uh, spoiler alert for post credit scene for Morbius. Meanwhile, they have Vulture in the MCU proper because Vulture was Michael Keaton in these, you know, Far From Home or whatever the first one was called, Homecoming, Spider-Man movie. So Vulture is part of the MCU proper. But Sony needs Vulture to be in the Sinister Six universe, which is separate. So the post credit scene of Morbius shows the multiverse cracking apart as it does at the end of the latest Spider-Man and they basically just warp Michael Keaton out of the MCU and into the Sony multiverse. And he meets up with Morbius at the end and says we should team up. So now they have Vulture, Morbius, and Venom. So they still need a couple more. But uh, and it doesn't make any sense. Because they also framed Jared Leto and Morbius as the good guy for this entire film. And now all of a sudden he's a, in like a villain team up? Like, yeah. uh, was, what are we doing? I was going to say, isn't he like a fucking Make-A-Wish doctor? <laughs> I mean, he has... Uh, child patience that he's trying to save yes like that sounds like a pretty good guy to me yeah he's trying to save humanity from uh the bad guy in the movie so what the he's fuck? a good guy and then in the post credit scene all of a sudden vulture says we should team up and we know that they're going to be a team of villains so i just team it, up. 
None of it makes any sense. It's, but he doesn't have a vendetta against Spider-Man. Yeah, Spider-Man's not in this universe. At least not in the film. So, like, Morbius uh, has no idea who Spider-Man is. It, at least not that we have seen. Let's move on to the last shitty movie, uh, Ambulance, uh, the new Michael Bay movie. Uh, according to IMDb.com, two robbers steal an ambulance after their heist goes awry. Bill, should have go see it. I said yes. What? I gave this one a yes. I know you're going to make a face. You're going to scoff. I actually really enjoyed this movie. It's basically like the, the the bank heist in Heat, Michael Mann's seminal classic Heat, uh, turning right into like speed. Like they go from the bank heist into the chase that occurs in the ambulance, which is the bulk of the film. And I will, the criticism I will give it is it is a little long and like the movie is action from minute one and it's like over two hours long. So if to have it be kind of a one note film and be that long it becomes a little exhausting by the end because it's just constant in your face and of course it's dumb at times you know it's a dumb action movie the emotional beats that they try to hit the end don't work but all that being said i was wildly entertained and it was great to see a practical effects driven movie where they're actually out there crashing cars uh and making it you know more exciting and visceral and it is beautiful and this is what you could appreciate is the fact that you can tell that they're shooting, like based on the, the shots themselves, that they're using lots of drones in addition to helicopters and steady cams and like all these different types of shooting mechanisms that they have, but all the shots match beautifully. Like it's not like usually when you see in a movie they do a drone shot, it's so obviously a different footage. This is like they got the exact same camera. I don't know if they got like a red camera onto a drone or what but it looks just as beautiful in the drone shots as the helicopter shots, as the handheld shots. Like it matches perfectly and it's wildly inventive in terms of camera use. Michael Bay, we know how to shoot. We know knows how to shoot action. And I, I loved it. It was like a dumb action movie out of the two thousands, like a gone in 60 seconds type of movie. And I, I loved it. Uh, no ambulance heist movie should be over an hour and 45 minutes. So the fact that it's two hours and 16 minutes is a crime against fucking humanity. So first point. It is a problem. It's a problem. Yep, they could have streamlined it for sure. Second thing, what's what, what's Jake Gyllenhaal doing? I feel like he's in this movie. Oh, Gyllenhaal was, was a delight in this film. <laughs> I feel like he doesn't know where his career is going. Right? Oh, he was great. He knew exactly what type of movie he was in, and he was hamming it up. He's the villain, uh, and he was having a lot of fun. He was great. I loved him a lot. I enjoyed it. I think it's a fun movie. Um, I think if you like those style of movies from back in the day, like Gone in Six Seconds or Heat, um, any of those types of old school practical action movies, Speed, uh, it's it's worth a watch. I had a lot of fun with it. Now, uh, films like that, chase scenes, uh, special effects, or you know, ch- chases, big scores, big uh, explosions. Most of the time, say, hey, you got to watch it in the theater on a big screen with the right sound system. Am I going to the theater to watch this or can I wait till it's at home and watch the two hours and 16 minutes on my couch? You got a big enough TV. You could, I, I do think the theater experience helps, especially with the drone footage. It really is more immersive when you're seeing it on the big screen like that. Got it. So yeah, I would try to see it in a theater if you could. 
I'm not going to see it on either, but I appreciate your... I'm not a big Michael Bay. I mean, I think he's just a new... Yeah, I know you don't care either way, but I... Um, Let's get this wrapped up. Uh, Netflix and Bill, what are you currently watching? What do you want to watch? What's on the horizon? All of it. So, I've been watching a bunch of TV as well. We talked about the Halo show a few times now. Yep. There's now been three episodes of the Halo show, and I will say... The first episode was great, and I got sucked in. I thought the action was wonderful. Sure. The second episode was horrendous, Dog and shit. the third episode was slightly less horrendous, <laughs> but still terrible. So this show is going downhill real fast. What about, is it like action pacing, story, all of it? Character Lack of action and story is the main thing. Like the first episode had the big action sequence with Master Chief doing Master Chief things, and I was here for it. There has not been a major action sequence since then, and it's been two and a half more episodes. Uh, and they have Master Chief helmet off most of the time at this point, and what? you're not getting the coolness of Master Chief. Like, it's just... They're not using what the show could be. Like, they're not using the best parts of the game. They're just making stuff up. Wild. Okay. But the most recent episode introduced Cortana, and it's the actual voice, the woman who plays Cortana. And that is making it more interesting because they're adding Cortana as a as a check for Master Chief to keep him in line. And he doesn't, you know, he's rebelling against that. So they have kind of like this buddy cop, don't really like it, but have to get along vibe. And that's way more interesting. So that really should have been the crux of the season is just him and Cortana, but they're only getting to it now. And my hope is it gets better when they add her and do more action. But for now, it's been pretty dull, to be honest. It seems like from your explanation, I, I actually did the Paramount Plus subscription last night. Um, so I can start getting caught up on it. It seems like from, from what you said, it's, it sounds like it's almost like a Mandalorian or the book of Boba Fett, but just poorly done and poorly executed. Yeah. It's shares some similarities with, with Mandalorian, especially with the helmet nature of it. And he's taking care of like a, a young girl he's trying to save in the first episode. So Ugh. there's definitely some elements of that. Fuck, just go on a planet and kill some covenants and fucking get a sword and start cutting warthogs yeah. in half. It's a, it's a, it's just a, like a, a very basic sci-fi tropey show. Uh, just happened to use all the accoutrement from Halo and they're not really making the most of what they, what they could be doing with it. It's, just, it's a shame. We'll see. Uh, what else you got? I wanted to ask you because I believe we both have now finished the show, The Dropout. We did on Hulu. We did. What did you What did you think at the end of the day? Should I go see it? Um, to steal a line from you, sometimes real life is stranger than uh, fiction, and I think this is a perfect example. I got sucked in to Elizabeth Holmes and the Theranos scandal. I think there was like a Dateline or twenty twenty, which mm-hmm. then got morphed into. A documentary on HBO. And I was like, right. this woman is out of her fucking mind. <laughs> and I was kind of excited when they were going to create a dramatized version of it. It had a lot of good, a lot of high highs, a lot of low lows. And at the end of the day, like they brought in a lot of talent to support the show. It just felt like really forced at some times. It just felt really just... Yeah, you know, I, I'd much rather rewatch the documentary to get a better sense of it because there was a lot of parts that were harped on from an emotional part, but there was a lot of things that happened in the background with the Walgreens and how they were like faking testing and like driving, yeah. you know, ambulances or or cars to Walgreens to pick up tests to drive them back to the lab to test them and then bring back the results at like 
really brought in this kind of levity to the situation of how fucked this woman's going to be in in the fall when she goes for her final uh, sentencing. I feel like a lot of that was missed out on yeah. when it focused on her relationship, her history, and things like that. Yeah, I agree. I, I think the doc is is much more worth watching. Uh, I would have rather seen like a mini series, like a docu series. So like more than just a two hour documentary, I would watch an eight part documentary on it, but an eight, an eight part dramatization of it. It just feels not, uh, not worth it. I would say, should I, to the, should I go see a question? I honestly would say, no, it's not, it's not that great. Yeah. I do think the best episode though, was when she was sort of conniving and trying to figure out how to dupe the, the Walgreens people. And they were trying to like figure out what was really going on. I thought that was the best episode. So I agree. More of that would have been interesting. What blew my mind when I figured out that the guy who plays Sonny uh, Balwani is uh, Naveen Andrews, who was uh, Syed and Lost. Oh, I didn't make that connection. Right? Did you? I mean, <laughs> I, wild. when I realized that, I was like, "Holy shit, man! You let yourself go." But I mean, he played the part well. That's for the character, yeah. On that train, Hulu came out with another dramatization of a real life event yep. in our own backyard. The girl from Plainville, yep. the famous uh, suicide texting case um, from a few years back. I started watching it. You are a couple episodes ahead of me. What do you think? I think I'm I'm already in the same camp as I am about Dropout. I already it's just feel so like bad, dude. I would rather go back and rewatch the docuseries or documentary, whichever it was. Then watch the show. I just, it's, uh, it doesn't have the same weight to it. It also feels similar to Dropout. You know, they obviously have to create dialogue where there isn't any because we don't have a record of what was said in back rooms and things like that. So they have to make their own dialogue and it just feels very forced and writery. Like it just feels like it was written for a TV show. It doesn't feel real uh-huh. versus interviewing someone in a documentary where you can get their actual insight. So Girl from Plainville, same thing. It's also like you can't compete with a documentary that shows the actual text messages. Like it's right there. And I know I'm assuming that the show is pulling from it pretty directly, but it's not the same as just seeing the transcript. Like the Girl from Plainville uh, or uh, what's what's it called? Tell Oh, uh, I love you. I love you. No, or something like that. Yeah, Uh, that that was just such a amazing thing to watch. I I would rather go back and rewatch that. I would not bother with this Hulu show. The the only thing that came out of the the first the, the the only thing that came out of the girl from Plainville that I was really blown away by is the end of the first episode. Apparently, the girl in this case was infatuated with Leah Michelle, who was the lead on the show Glee, and she. I actually looked it up afterwards. Yeah, the speech that she wrote at his memorial was literally line by line of what the girl said on Glee when her yeah. boyfriend on the show and her boyfriend in her life Corey. I forget his last name, passed away. Yep. She lifted it and it shows her rehearsing it in front of the mirror and like crying and turning it off and on. And I was like, this fucking woman is crazy. And I was like into it. Like that was, that was really good, but everything else is not, it falls flat. It isn't real. And one of the most disappointing things as a Massachusetts native is really bad Boston fucking accents. Yeah, it's bad. Like we're talking like the same level like Vera Famiga in <laughs> the, Departed. the Departed, where just it comes in and out with without rhyme well, yes. or reason, yep. 
and they're probably on set for eight hours and the director's like, fuck it. We finally got a good, we got a good grab of it. Yeah. We got a good take. We got to make our like, day. Let's go. You forgot that you're actually in character. Like right. we got to go. Um, and it's just, it's, it's disappointing. The thing, my side note on the Boston accent thing that kills me is like, not everybody in Boston is from Boston. First of all, plenty of people move here just like any city. Yup. And even yep. the people that are from Boston, not everybody has an accent. So when you make a movie like The Departed, which will go, which is like the prime example where every single character is forced to have a thick Boston accent, it's like, hey, not all of them are probably even would in those jobs would be from here, and not everybody from here would have the accent. So like, just let or Matt Damon is from here, so whatever he says normally would be his Boston accent because he's from here, and they still make him put on an act like a, a an accentuated accent. His is forced. I think if you're gonna let, like if we're gonna rank Boston movie accents. <laughs> Leo's in The Departed is subtle enough, but comes in and out and has that like fluctuation and kind of like in in words and in underlying stuff that I think is really good. Leo's is is passable. Leo's passable. Middle middle of the road is like Jeremy Renner in The Town. town. I don't know. That one can be hit or miss. It's it's not the worst, but it's clearly not the best. But it's still like he's he's consistent throughout. Sure. And then and the last would be. Poor Vera Famiga, my my Hollywood sweetheart. It's like she got fucking a head injury in the middle of <laughs> of, of some of these takes, and it's like, what are you doing? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, the best one in that movie is Wahlberg because it's that is it's real. Just so off. It's <laughs> that's real. <laughs> just so ridiculous. Anyway. All right, let's wrap this up. Anything else? What do you got? You can't be watching any more shows. There's only so many hours. No, in that's it day. for TV. That's it. That's it. That's it for TV. Yeah, let's talk about um, it. Any any movies coming up that uh, we're going to or want to see or anything like that? Speaking of Wahlberg, he's got a new movie called Father Stew uh, that I plan on seeing. I don't know how it's how it's going to be, but I'll see it. Yep. Uh, more importantly, speaking of, I believe a twenty four is the Northman. Which is Robert Eggers' third film. He did The Witch, he did The Lighthouse, and now he's done The Northman, which comes out this week. And I have a ticket to see that as well, and I'm very excited for that one. Love it. And you also bought tickets for us to see uh, Doctor Strange. Oh, Doctor Strange. Yeah. Yep. May 6th, we have tickets for that. Love it. Great. Thank you for listening to the <laughs> Should I Go See a Podcast? <laughs> Please make sure to follow on Instagram at Should I Go See It. 